Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone? I'm Chris from Weekly Games Chat. Along with my co-hosts, Sean and John, we cover the latest video games every Wednesday for your listening pleasure. We also make sure to rant about the latest movies, TV shows, and happenings in the sports world. If you like the show, catch one of our live streams on Twitch, follow us on Twitter, or even take the biggest jump of all and join our community on Discord. All found by simply searching Weekly Games Chat. Until then, I'll simply say game on in your mom's box. This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. Did you know that ArtCast is on Patreon? Well, now you do. So go check out patreon.com slash ArtCast for ways to help out the show and get some sweet perks in return. It could be something small, such as our $1 tier to show your support, or you could join one of our higher tiers to get a shout-out, pick an episode topic, or even be a part of the show as a special guest. Even just sharing our show to your friends goes a long way. So once again, that's patreon.com slash ArtCast. Thanks for helping us, and keep it retro. What's up, Argonauts, and welcome to another Retro Gaming Podcast. This is episode 180 of the Rcast. I am your host, David Gilton, and with me is a man who can kick high, Robert Workman. Well, uh, medium? I don't know about my leg <laughs> strength. I mean, yeah, you kick high if you want it there. I'm not a rocket, okay? I mean, I might be giving you too much credit then in that case. Uh, I think, you know, <laughs> I can kick hard, I just can't kick high. My college days are well behind me. But yeah, <laughs> we are talking about the Dead or Alive series today. We're talking about, of course, Tecmo's. Uh, infamous little series with, of course, voluptuous women, uh, Ryu Hayabusa, some other dudes. Uh, of course, we're <laughs> some other dudes, yeah. <laughs> and uh, as you guys know, we, we have a, a great Patreon, uh, which we have a few contributors there, and one of our contributors is coming back for yet another episode. Please welcome back, Megadaffy. What's up? Welcome back. Hey, how's it going, everyone? So this is basically like the highest tier that we have in our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash ArtCast, uh, in which you can be like a guest on the show. So this is the second time that Megadaffy is joining us for the show. So we're really glad to have you back on here, Megadaffy, and uh, also to, talk, you know, to talk about the Dead or Alive games here, too. So, um, so basically, we're going to get into that. But first, we wanted to hit the news. Uh, first off, regarding Fortnite, which is uh, obviously like the biggest game that's out there in the universe, pretty much. And they had their big Season 10 finale uh, with like the big black hole or whatever. Like, I, I don't play Fortnite. So I'm not sure like all the logistics of it, but they basically ended their season with a big black hole sucked up map and all this stuff. Uh, but while people were waiting for what would eventually become Fortnite Chapter 2, uh, people were able to play a Galaga-like game. And the way that they could play it was through inputting the Konami code. Yeah, once they put in the Konami code, they got themselves a little mini game where they could just, you know, blast aliens around the black hole. And, uh, you know, it did get people something to do besides look at the black hole. Because, I mean, seriously, I'm, I'm, I'm there in Fortnite and I mean, I'm sorry, on Twitch, and I'm watching the Fortnite channel, and it has 62,000 people looking in the black hole. I'm like, you guys know there's other programming, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is entertainment for them, Robert, okay? <laughs> it's like watching the grass grow. Basically, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's basically a very well-disguised system maintenance. Yeah. And um, mm. it was really well done, honestly, in that case, because it, it all kind of like plays into, I guess, like the lore of the Fortnite universe, pretty much. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just like a way basically for, for them to kind of like, uh, kill time and also to, I, I, you know, I guess I like give people like something to like look at, I guess, in a sense, um, while waiting for Fortnite chapter two. Uh, but in this particular case, people can actually play this, which is pretty neat. So instead of like a spaceship, you play as like a, um, as like a slice of pizza, basically just shooting at burgers more or less. Um, yep. so shooting at the door burgers. Yeah. It, yeah. Exactly. So I mean, like it was pretty neat though. Um, you know, just like having that and also like the fact that you had to put in the Konami code in order to put that in. Um, which I mean, you know, it's not like Konami made Galaga, you know, as far as I know, but, um, but I mean, it's just kind of like a neat little way of like being able to, uh, to like activate it. So yeah, just some, some dude to pass the time, but, uh, Megadaffy, did you play the game? I have actually never played Fortnite, period. Galaga, I have played Fortnite. No. Galaga is an all time classic, but it is kind of a, like David said, a neat way to pass the time when, you know, there's yeah. not a map coming until like 
a day later. Very much, yeah. But like another huge game that is also on Twitch, actually, Robert, is League of Legends. So basically, they had like some big news to like report here uh, for their tenth anniversary that's coming up. Um, first off, is like the fact that uh, they're coming out with like their own fighting game. Um, apparently this is like something that's been like rumored for like a while, but I don't follow League of Legends like all that closely to like really like know. But in case you didn't know, like a few years ago, there was a team called Radiant Entertainment and they worked on a fighting game called Rising Thunder, which was pretty mm. good ending like a free to play fighting game that did pretty well for a while. But then Riot Games picked them up and the project closed down soon after and everybody was asked, well, what's going on? What are these guys doing now? You know, and- was that the one with uh, Seth Killian on board? Yeah, with it? Seth Killian was on board that team. Remember, he joined them after uh, PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale didn't pan out. That's right. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, nice. So now uh, that team is working on it. Uh, all it's known is it's called Project L. And there's not too many other details. There was a bit of footage that featured some of the champions from the game brawling at it. Um, more than likely, we'll probably see more information about this game in 2020, but right now they're, uh, quote-unquote, going to go darks for a while. They're not releasing right. any new information. But it was a neat um, little announcement for their anniversary, which actually just passed, by the way. Did um, it? I thought League of Legends just came out later in October. Well, they celebrated it yesterday, so, or I mean, earlier this week, so I don't know, maybe, maybe it is? Maybe they're just jumping the gun? I don't know. Speaking maybe. of jumping the gun, they seem to be going after Blizzard as well, because they have, like, an Overwatch-style first-person shooter coming out called Project A. Obviously not right. a final title. Um, but apparently it said on a beautiful near future earth and has a lethal cast of characters, each with unique abilities that create tactical opportunities for the gunplay to shine overwatch much. Um, <laughs> basically, yeah. but some of the team members did previously work on counter-strike global offensive. So they might be taking a closer approach to that than just general overwatch. Although it will have characters from league of legends inside the game. So, uh, again, we won't hear any more details to 2020. They've gone dark on it. But from what I've seen in the footage, this looks pretty smooth. You know, and with all the screwing up that Blizzard's done lately, they're continuing to do it. They 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 suspended three more players for six months because of a sign they held up during a recent tournament supporting. Oh, really? Home. I didn't hear about that, actually. Yeah, it's, it's a bunch <laughs> of crap. But, I mean, with all the screw-ups that Blizzard's going through headed into BlizzCon, God help them, um, they need all the announcements they can get. And, yeah. you know, Riot Games, they're knocking at the door. They got, like, an action RPG game that they announced uh we're gonna get another bit of news here that's really exciting for console and mobile owners and they're just covering all the bases you know it's like league of legends lost a little bit of money this year and now they're just trying to like you know okay you know what we're gonna really expand this universe there's even an anime show uh called arcane that looks really Mm. impressive so they're going all out to become to to do what Blizzard's not going to be able to do anymore after a while. I mean, I know that League of Legends is really huge in the cosplay community as well. Yeah. And because like you always see like cosplayers mm. like dressed up as like League of Legends characters and Dota characters as well, and like all this. So it's um it's definitely like a big franchise and like certainly um certainly one that's like rife for like expansion as well. So it's, it's you know it's pretty cool like the fact that there are you know that they are making like these other games that are based on League of Legends and uh you know with you know with like the fighting game with like the um, like the hero shooter as well. It's pretty cool and like you know shows how big that it is because like one thing i do know about the game anyway is that it's constantly number one on twitch um so like it's it's always like just you know like a lot of people are like watching it or playing it or what have you so um so it's definitely big news for them and it's about to expand even further because uh one more bit of news that we want to throw in there is that league of legends is headed to consoles and mobile in 2020 uh it's going to be worked on it with a rebuilt from the ground up experience called wild rift um, this is a game that is built with controls based around like how consoles and mobile play instead of the usual um, usual setup a PC has. And there's going to be a five versus five player count. Uh, you can team up to take down the enemy Nexus on a new 5v5 map designed for new platforms with faster games and revamped controls, according to the company. I mean, it sounds like they're really 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 trying to expand league of legends like first with new genres and now with new platforms because i believe for the longest time people wanted league of legends on console they wanted to see Mm -hmm. what it was like you know if diablo can make the jump then obviously so can league of legends oh yeah and like it definitely opens it up to a whole other audience as well in that case and um you know certainly with like the mobile market and um you know as far as like the consoles that's going to uh do we know if uh switch is part of that as well they didn't announce specific consoles but they are hiring for development on switch so i have a feeling that's in mind okay yeah so it's definitely happening in that case so it'll be interesting to see like um how that plays out but certainly league of legends like being 10 years old now it doesn't look like it's going to be slowing down at any point soon so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out um you don't play league of legends at all there mega daffy 
Nah, I don't play League of Legends. I, I didn't even know I was 10 years old. Like, Yeah. <laughs> Overwatch is really the only online game I've ever really played, mostly. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so um, with that said then, uh, are you excited for Project A, or have you seen like the footage for Project A? I actually just read like the articles, and actually both of them sound like really cool. This uh, Overwatch shooter and the uh, fighter that they claim are coming up, they look pretty cool. Maybe I might... Maybe I might actually jump into with those two, and the uh, anime definitely sounds interesting too. Yeah, I mean, like the footage at the least that they showed for Project L, which is the the fighting game. Um, you know, it, it looked like it was kind of taking a lot of cues from Street Fighter Four, at least going by the like training stage that they were showing on the screens. There, yeah, I was about to say it seems to have more comparison like Samurai Showdown too. I mean, a little quicker in some mm. cases, but definitely weapons based. So. Oh yeah, yeah, being like weapon space for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just kind of going about like the gameplay as well as the fact that like the training stage looks like the Street Fighter. Oh right, right, right. Stage. Or like Marvel <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, but certainly like weapon yeah. based. Like yeah, maybe a bit of Samurai Showdown there in that case too. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see uh, mm-hmm. like on how all those projects go. But uh, a lot of big news there from Riot Games. Um, and some other big news here from Limited Run Games uh, is that the fact that they're re-releasing Star Wars Episode One Racer. As well as Star Wars Racer v- Revenge. Uh, what is um, the Nintendo 64 game Star Wars Episode One Racer is coming back. They're re-releasing it for a limited time in a special blue-designed cartridge that will work with your Nintendo 64. Um, the packaging looks like something like one of the older um, action figure releases with like Darth Maul on it and everything. And then you can also buy like a collector's edition box that has like a pin. It has like, like I believe a full color manual. I mean, like it's got a nice collector's box and then um, racer revenge. uh, This is the 2016 PlayStation four release after the game initially came out in PlayStation two way long ago. And, you know, it's got nice visuals and everything like that, but it has never seen a physical release until now. It will also be available this Friday in both standard and a limited edition. The limited edition box looks pretty cool with like a yellow and gray Mm. art design. There's a poster. There's a steelbook case for the game. Um, And the pricing differs, obviously, you know, like the uh, the regular editions go like $29.99 and $44.99 respectively. And then the special editions like $74.99 and $89.99. And they're going to go on sale, I believe, at 6 p.m. Pacific. So by the time this podcast comes out, it will be Friday. So you might want to jump. Just saying. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Jump on it quickly because this sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yes, I have played both of these. I actually liked episode one a bit better. Hmm. Yeah, that's the one that like everyone raves about and like want to see like a re-release of in some way. So at least yeah. it's like a re-release in in that fashion. And uh, this could actually go along pretty well, actually, if you have the Super 64 as well from our friends at Eon, um, since like that will allow you to play your N64 on your uh, on your HDMI TVs. So basically, Star Wars Episode One Racer can look you know about as good as you can ever hope for it to be. Basically, so, you know, unless it's like a remake of it in the future sometime. But uh, but but this seems like it'll be like the best way to like play it now. Uh, so that's yeah, pretty cool. Definitely. And uh, the last story that we want to get into here is uh, definitely an odd one. Um, so this is basically a game called Pride Run, uh, which is basically being described as imagine if Street Fighter, Just Dance, and Frogger all joined up for a massive rave and got wasted. Um, so basically like the big image. Yeah. (laughs) So basically like the big, um, like the big factor of this game that they're showing off here is that there's like a pixel of Vladimir Putin, uh, who's like the final boss in the game. (laughs) And, um, it seems to play like a fighting game, but there's definitely like a music and rhythm kind of like element in there as well. Um, and also like what's mentioned here too, is that pride run is a colorful and effervescent game from which, uh, in which 10% of its proceeds will go towards kaleidoscope trust, which is a charity working to uphold the rights of the LGBTQ plus community internationally, which is really good. Um, so it's definitely for like a good cause and it's definitely a strange game, uh, but certainly a game that, um, you know, I feel like it's, um, it's definitely trying something different aside from like the visuals and aesthetics and all that stuff. But I definitely like the rhythm slash fighting mechanic. Um, kind of combination there so yeah it's it's pretty cool like how this game comes together and how silly it is but i've seen a few people stream it and it's definitely a lot of fun yeah yeah it seems to be yeah. getting some traction there um megadaffy what are your uh, your like i guess like initial reactions i guess to this game to be honest i do think it's definitely sounds like a very weird game and i've played incredibly weird games like Katamari Damacy and the Keep I was just thinking that, yeah. <laughs> Katamari Damacy and the Keep a Strip are like two of the weirdest ones that come to mind, but yeah, this definitely seems weird, but it seems like a lot of fun. 
having a pixel poon as the final boss just sounds awesome. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the proceeds are going to charity for LGBTQ, which is really nice. Yeah. So absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So that's a, I think that's a great thing. I I wish most games did like some sort of charitable aspect to them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, it makes sense for, like, a game like this. Obviously, there's a lot of gay pride, like, involvement, like, in the game itself. So, oh, yeah. um, so like, you know, it certainly makes sense that they would, like, have that type of charity in there. But, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, you know, it just, just looks like a cool game, and honestly, and, um, you know, it's just something I would like to personally try out for myself. So, uh, we'll see. Same here. Yeah, so we'll see, uh, see how that goes there. Welcome! So that's going to lead us now to the part of the show called What Are You Playing? We'll get some games you've all been playing or have recently beat. So, Megadaffy, with you being a special guest, why don't you tell us what you've been playing? Okay, actually, I have a more concrete answer this time. <laughs> you <I've> came prepared. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I came prepared. I actually have games that I'm playing on a more constant basis now. <laughs> um, so, and they are actually the original Final Fantasy VII, and I actually just got Fire Emblem Three Houses last weekend, so I've been switching off between those two. Nice. Yeah, I've been wanting to try and trying to see how much of the original Final Fantasy VII I can clear through on Switch before the remake comes out. Mm. Well, you got some time and, for sure. So. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Let's just see how much time and how far I can go before it comes out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Fire Emblem Three Houses I just picked up, and I'm actually really enjoying that. That's more JRPG than... Uh, then uh, the last episode I was on, which was Fire Emblem Warriors, which was Dynasty Wars of Fire Emblem painted over it. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, so is this like, your, the, yeah, like the first Fire Emblem proper game that you're playing? Yeah, this is probably the first proper Fire Emblem game that I'm playing because, yeah, like I said, I kind of used Warriors to not only jump in, but have to be like one of the first games I got for my Switch when I got it like earlier this year. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, this would be like the first one and... Hopefully at some point in the future I'll also pick up like Astral Chain, which I really want to try out because I hear that's supposed to be really good. Yeah, that's on my wish list too, honestly. Yeah, so I'd like, like to try that yeah. out at some point. Uh, Robert, how about you? Uh, I'm working on a couple of games here. It's still a busy time of the year for me, but uh, two I want to mention here. I mean, I'm still playing Ukulele. I'm still playing Trine 4. I'm still playing uh, a few other games there, but two I want to point out here. Uh, the first one is uh, actually, I want to point out three. I'm sorry. Uh, the first one is Debris Infinity, which is for Xbox One. It is a Geometry Wars style shooter from SVC Games. And uh, it's pretty rad. You know, I, I know a lot of people prefer Geometry Wars 3 Dimensions, but this is an affordable alternate take. Uh, has nice little retro style visuals, really great Twitch style uh, twin stick gameplay, which is really cool. And it's definitely a lot more fun than I had with Big Drunk Satanic Mass- Satan Massacre. <laughs> I've been trying to get in that game, and for some reason, I just, I don't know, maybe it's the puns, maybe it's the graphics. I'm, I'm feeling off with that game. It's not clicking with you, yeah. It's not. But uh, no, I definitely recommend uh, the. the um, debris infinity it's a lot of fun second game i got into is burger time party uh this is now available for nintendo switch it is based on the classic burger time but they added a few things to it they now have a either co-op or competitive multiplayer mode along with graphics that kind of remind people of the classic art style of cuphead without of course ripping it off in mm. <clears throat> portals um but I mean, it's uh, kind of like the art style too of the um of like the arcade cabinet as well like on the side of the yeah, original game kind of right? like that with a few touches like that it's it's really cool multiplayer to me kind of feels I don't know. It feels like it kind of crams the game a little bit too much, but I do like the online leaderboards. Uh, these are here where you can like compete for like, you know, the fastest times, the highest scores. It's, it's really cool and interactive way there. And of course the music and the graphics remind you of the classic burger time, but I don't know if you can unlock the original burger time. That's what I want. I love it when games give you that option to play the original that inspired it all. I'm still working on it, but from what I played, it's a lot of fun. You can try multiplayer. I don't know. I think you get more into the single player side of it. And it's kind of a puzzle based format. You you still have to like, you know, watch the pickles. You still have to use your peppers accordingly. But you gotta watch the pickles. You know, it, it's <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Damn, damn pickles. But yeah, it's <laughs> it's a pretty good game. It's pretty good. I just don't think the multiplayer was necessary or they could have done a little more with it. Um, and then let's see the final game. I had it here on the tip of my tongue. Uh, oh, um, before we get into that, uh, oh, so up? like with the, so with the multiplayer in this game, uh, like how does it work exactly? Like is it basically everyone rushing to like complete burgers? Yeah, like- what it is, um, it's a high score contest essentially. Whoever like gets the most burgers taken down is is 
pretty much the winner. It, it's not, gotcha. a, you know, and yeah. you can, you can go and you can help people in co-op as well. Like co-op, you can work together to see who can complete this stage the fastest with your teammates. Or, you know, if there's a teammates that's taken down by one of those damn pickles, you can go and hmm. rescue them. So yeah, that's, how, that's how multiplayer work. Yeah. Damn pickles. Um, <laughs> and then the, the final game I played this week is a game called a night's quest. Uh, this is a, uh, a Zelda. Uh, it's very Zelda-like. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, I've seen this. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. It, it's a neat little adventure game, but they definitely took a lot of cues from Legend of Zelda. <laughs> it's it's not a bad game per se, you know, and if you're, if you're looking to play like a good adventure style game on Xbox One and PlayStation 4, this isn't too bad. The graphics aren't the best, but the gameplay is pretty good. There are a few puzzles to solve. It's, it's a pretty good game so far, but this is not going to dent breath of the wild's popularity anytime soon or links awakening for that matter it's just is it more of like a top-down yeah. zelda game or um it's a 3d game oh, it's 3d, it's 3D okay. like breath of the wild gotcha yeah. okay. so like i said the graphics aren't the best but it's it's definitely a fun little adventure if you're looking for a zelda game and you don't have a switch I mean, I suppose, like, if you've already finished Link's Awakening remake, then, um, you know, this could be something else to satiate yeah. your, your hunger, I guess, for more Zelda-like gameplay. So <laughs> Yeah, and it's out on Switch, too. So if you want to check it out, you know, it's not a terrible purchase. I think you'll have fun with it. Just be aware that uh, it does take a few liberties. Hmm. Fair enough, fair enough. Yep, uh, now what about you, David? What have you been playing? Uh, as far as what I've been playing, I beat Judgment recently. Um, Ooh, nice! It's a, it's a really good game. Nice. Um, I feel like the uh, the like detective like gameplay uh, kind of starts to falter near the end of the game um, because it feels like there's kind of just cramming it into like situations where you know it doesn't really make sense. Like you know, there's like a part like there's you know no real spoilers without context or anything, but there's like a you know there's like a scene like uh, near the end of the game um, where you have like two knocked out guards and you have to like basically find like a key card and. Like it's pretty obvious where the key card is, but they still have you go through the rigmarole of like, okay, go through like the searching around your environment kind of thing. It's just like this isn't necessary really at this point in the game, <laughs> you know. So like the detective elements feel like they're kind of like shoehorned in, I guess, like at the end of the game, like when they're not really needed, I guess. Um, although I do appreciate the um, uh, the like you know the like way that like the story plays out. Like it's definitely melodramatic in a sense, but not as melodramatic as the Yakuza series. Um, I do like the melodrama in the Yakuza series as well. It's just like a different flavor, really, as far as like how the storytelling goes. Th- this one like tries to take itself like more seriously, and I, I would say it-, it succeeds for the most part. Um, you know, I, d- I definitely like the characters a lot in it, um, and like some of the like reveals are are certainly you know surprising in some ways too. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's 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 you know it- it's a really solid game. So th- th- you know, it's definitely one I would highly recommend if you've uh, you know if you play the Yakuza games and you're looking for something uh, a little more hard boiled detective like in that case. So um, yeah, it's definitely a game that I've been wanting to try out. Like it's on my list of things that I'll try to pick up at some point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're able to like, to pick it up at some point, I would highly recommend it for sure. Um, also, I've been playing Link's Awakening uh, since I mentioned that just recently. Um, you know, been playing through that. I've beaten, I think, the first three dungeons so far, and um, just kind of slowly but surely getting through it. Like, just kind of something I kind of pick up and play, like while while my bed's kind of like unwinding, after, you know, after uh, after mm. the end of the night or whatever. But it's um, yeah, no, it's, you know, it's a solid game. Um, I'm trying to remember like all the things I did like last time I played Link's Awakening, honestly, like the original game um you know and like you know it's just kind of interesting to like to try to remember it but like with like the new visual style of the game and all that like it's it's you know it kind of like detaches me away from like how the original game operated but um but yeah I'm definitely liking it a lot so far um and robert you'll be surprised to know i actually got myself back into overwatch just recently um because because the halloween event and all that stuff and i'll mention too like you know with the halloween skins like that you know the halloween skins are amazing in this one uh certainly Mm -hmm. like anna's like mummy skin um you know there's uh what was it there's like an um there's like a demon skin for orissa which is pretty awesome um a lot of like really cool like cosmetics that they added in uh you know seems like they really went all out to like make it really good this year as far as like you know the cosmetics and stuff they they can unlock um but like the reason why i got into it and um we did mention this like last week as far as like my position like with like blizzard and like you know in in concerns like the whole uh hong kong china dispute thing or whatever um i feel like um you know as far as like how blizzard has been trying to rectify it um it, it you know it, like I had to kind of like realize within myself it's like you know what they are a company they are trying to kind of like you know try to like appease people like from all around uh, from all around the world whatever and that includes China and certainly China is going to be a huge part of it because of the market share in in that country mm-hmm. um, 
you know, so as a company, I can't really blame them in that sense. I can blame them as far as like how they kind of jumped the gun with their really harsh punishments uh, for, you know, for, you know, for like the uh, for like Blitzchung as well as like for like the broadcasters in there. Um, although it makes sense too, because, you know, again, it is their platform basically. And so they have to like try to like control that in some way, um, even if, you know, in a historical sense, they're going to be seen in the wrong, and, you know, now and in the future. Um, so that's the whole thing. But I feel like instead of, you know, in, like instead of like deleting like Blizzard games or like boycotting Blizzard or whatever, um, you know, because I feel like that's not going to really like execute any real change if you actually do care about the situation in Hong Kong. Yeah, because that punishes the people who made the games and they have no say yeah. in the corporate decisions. Also, they're owned by Activision, so it's not like it's going to hurt them that much either. Right. But like, what I'm getting at, though, is that like there there are ways in order to actually execute real change, and that's to actually get in contact with like your your congressmen and congresswomen or whatever out there. Um, right. You know, and, and you know, and uh, there is actually like a uh, like a Hong Kong Reddit post, actually, that has like a bunch of like um, like a bunch of links um, for like um, um, for like petitions to sign and, and all that. And like it has like a bunch of like different steps that you could take no matter where you are in the world, basically, in order to actually execute some real change. Uh, that's going on over in Hong Kong if you really do care about the situation. So I'll, I will have a link to that in the show notes for this episode. So definitely look out for that. Mm-hmm. And just one quick note here. Um, it's getting to the point where it's starting to affect their business because there was supposed to be an Overwatch launch event tonight or Wednesday night uh, at Nintendo's New York store. And they pulled out the last minute and Nintendo had to make the announcement about it. Blizzard didn't say a word. So the real question Blizzard has to ask itself here is how is how important is this Chinese business to treat its community the way it is? There's got to be a certain balance to that. I understand they want to do business and everything like that, but the way that they're treating their community at this rate, BlizzCon could be a laugh fest. You know, yeah. they, they could be banning everything left and right. They they could be, you know, truncating their announcements in favor of smaller panels. Uh, you know, they could be shunning this experience because they want to you know keep their overseas business up and running so it's just a matter of finding that balance in which you know it takes care of its community and still takes care of its business but this is activision blizzard we're talking about maybe it doesn't know how to do that a lot of questions have come up we're not getting enough answers they did a statement last week it was inconclusive at best you know they did Mm -hmm. try to justify the the suspensions they did shorten the suspensions but still six months you know yeah and um, obviously, like the broadcasters are also still um, at least like suspended for like six months. But mm-hmm. I mean, in reality, they're not going to be hired ever, ever again. Yeah, n- not to mention the three guys who were suspended from the college thing. I just linked to that as well, and it's right. Yeah, I see. I that. don't know, but it's just something for Blizzard to think about. What's more important, your overseas business or taking care of your community? It's a question they mm-hmm. really need to ask themselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think for them, um, it's kind of like one and the same in a sense because they see their community as like the global as a global community, and that includes China. Um, yeah. You know, and I, I could see their their position as far as not wanting to seem like they're taking sides because, again, as a global company, you can't really afford to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, at the same time, I can still uh, go hard at them as far as like how they executed their punishments and what their initial yeah. initial punishment was. It is good that they reversed like some of that as far as like giving like the winnings, for example, to Blitzchung that he earned during the yeah. tournament for Hearthstone. Um, so at least they did that, and also um, you know having the punishment as well as uh, um, having the punishment for um, uh, for like how long that that you know that he can't like play in the was a grand finals or whatever for. Um, I think he like he gave like a statement too, like saying that he's like unsure as far as like where he's gonna you know as far as like playing uh, for Hearthstone on a professional basis going forward. Um, but he's just kind of like enjoy the break for now, I guess, and uh, we'll see what happens. Well, you know, League of Legends has a new card game, so there you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a perfect well, time know, to jump into that. <laughs> like I said, and one final note here. I mean, it is affecting business. Like Overwatch for Nintendo Switch, no hype this week. None. And we remember like it was the highlight of Nintendo Direct last month. So I'll just leave it at that. And we'll, we'll go ahead and go on to the next thing, which I believe you have a, uh, a code giveaway there, David. 
Indeed, yeah. So I have a code here for Fantasy Strike on Switch. So here's definitely a Switch game that you, that you can play, if not Overwatch. Um, so <laughs> Fantasy Strike is a colorful fighting game where fantasy meets martial arts. It focuses on depth and strategy rather than difficult execution. It's designed for tournament play, but also to welcome you to the genre if you haven't played other fighting games before. So if that sounds like a jam, definitely jump on this. Again, this is a Switch code. The code is c 3 yx M P B P six G B zero L zero W. So that is Fantasy Strike on Switch. Enjoy, and if you do redeem that, definitely let us know at Arg Podcast on Twitter. Hi, I'm Chris Penwell from Active Quest, and I'm Joseph Yaden. We are a video game podcast that takes a deep dive into the news, covering the latest gaming trends and stories pertaining to the industry. We also do our best to cover the most recent games and like to have an ongoing discussion with the audience. You can contact us on Twitter at ActiveQuestShow or via email at ActiveQuestPodcast at gmail.com. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you hear. You can also find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify and Google Play. We appreciate you listening, everyone. And now, on to the show. Welcome back to the Stage of History. And with that, we have the Stage of History, which is a celebration of retro titles that deserve a spot, for better or for worse, in the pantheons of history. So since we are talking about the Dead or Alive franchise, I figure we'll talk about the first Dead or Alive game. So this is a 1996 fighting game by Team Ninja. The game becoming a commercial success helped save the publisher Tecmo from bankruptcy. Long-running characters Ayane and Bass were added in the PlayStation port, and a remake was made in 2004 as part of Dead or Alive Ultimate for the original Xbox. So, uh, I have never played the original Dead or Alive game. Um, I actually first started with the Dead or Alive franchise with Dead or Alive 3, I want to say, for the original Xbox. Yeah, that's about where I started, too. Yeah. I did play the first one on PlayStation, and... It definitely um, set the, the tone for like doing a neat little fighting game in terms of like the offense and defensive holds uh, and like what you could do with the counters and everything, which they've now started to develop more in their games. Um, but I believe one of the standout features that really got the community talking was the fact that whenever like a girl walked three steps, her boobs somehow magnificently defied <laughs> gravity. You know, like this, this was a feature that, you know, they were like focusing on for several sequels. But I just remember like, you know, Kazumi running in uh, place. Jiggle physics. Yeah. It's jiggle physics. Yeah, you know, Kazumi running in place and then yep. stopping and the boobs are still going like they have a mind of their own, you know. Basically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it was no Tekken, but it was at the time it really did ground, set the, like, you know, the, the, the groundwork for the franchise that was to come and get better with Dead or Alive 2 and 3 and 4 and Mm -hmm. eventually 5. So, I mean, it's just really a matter of, like, how it just laid out this plan. But, of course, you know, as time went on, they they started to focus more on, like, they did improve the countering system. They did make it more kinetic. They introduced, like, interactive backgrounds that you could break through. But, again, you know, for a while there, it was about the sexuality. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get more into that as we talk about our main topic here. But I, I, I recall that the original game was, was quite a trip. And uh, I don't know, Dave, if you want to hunt down Dead or Alive Ultimate, that's the best way to probably experience the first game. Yeah, because I imagine it's like backwards compatible too, right? Mm, no, actually, that one's not. It's not? Oh, no, okay. I don't think so. Okay, that might be a good one like, to add on like for Xbox One in the future then. But um yeah, I mean, I never played the original game in either form, honestly. Um, it's like I mentioned, like with Dead or Alive three, I believe that was the first one I played. And um, one thing I, I, you know, I at least like love about like the Dead or Alive franchise, anyway. I know this is like first introduced like from the very beginning. Uh, is the whole countering system. Like I, I always love that whole mm-hmm. idea of it. Like where um, you can't take things slow. Like it really kind of picks up the pace. Like where you're trying to get in like your combos, your juggles, and all that stuff. But at any moment, if you're able to time properly, or you know exactly which move is coming out. Um, you can get in like a good counter in and just kind of like, you know, just, just, you know, throw the opponent like up in the air and juggle them yourself or whatever it might be. Um, I know for me, uh, there was that character, uh, Bayman, I want to say he was like the Bayman. Yeah. 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 He's like the Sambo guy or whatever. And like, he had like, he had like command counters actually. So he can actually do different counters that did more damage than your standard counter from like the other, from the, you know, from the other fighters basically. Um, which is pretty neat. So yeah, he would do like, you know, do like arm bars and headlocks and all that stuff is pretty awesome.
And that's going to lead us into Obscura. And for Obscura, I wanted to talk about a game that kind of spun off from the fighting action and took everything to beach volleyball for some reason. That is Dead or Alive <laughs> Extreme Beach Volleyball, which originally released for the Xbox. And then the series started branching out with uh, Dead or Alive Extreme 2 and Xbox 360. And then now, obviously, we have Dead or Alive Extreme 3 for Switch and PlayStation 4. Um, but, um, I believe I believe that third game, it was Japan only, right? Yeah, it is. But it, Yeah, third game was Japan only. You completely important. Yeah, completely importable. I own the Switch yeah. version for research purposes. Um, <laughs> so the game, the game was essentially built around volleyball matches with simple physics. Um, you know, women in bikinis, obviously, because they people they wanted to do that leering stuff. So there it is. There's actually a zoom in button if they're relaxing in a, in a chair. So if you really want to <laughs> be peeper or whatever, there you go. It's very Japanese. Basically. Yeah. But I mean, it was yeah. kind of interesting because uh, over the course of being on an island, which is, by the way, owned by Zach. It's Zach Island. There's a there's a big mm-hmm. statue of him. Yep. He was voiced by Dennis Rodman for some reason. I don't know, but... Was he actually voiced by Dennis Rodman? Yeah. Zach, what's that? Check it out. <laughs> that is my island. Say what? Later, baby. I'm out of here, honey. Oh, yeah! So, um... Along with that, you can form relationships with the people that you play volleyball with, like the women. You can like send gifts. You could um, you can play along with them in a casino. Uh, there was different things that you could do there, and then there was like these uh, little mini games too, like running across these little tiles on on in the pool or just relaxing in the pool. It was it was a game that was basically built on pleasure. You know, it didn't have any sort of fighting to speak of. Although the women did have bikini costumes, like I believe starting in Dead or Life Four. So mm, that, right. that that was a kind of a crossover thing. So essentially it was built just for fan service, which is kind of why I mentioned much, Obscura. Yeah. it's not really considered a full on dead or alive game. It's just one of those side distractions. That's it's a spinoff. Very yeah. good at side distractions, yeah. I guess. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I had fun with it. And then I remember like somebody created a nude mod for it. <laughs> of course. Yeah, of course, of course they, did. they did. Oh yeah. It was like, yep. Yeah, Bigger as much. I believe Extreme Two was ported to a PSP under the name Paradise Two. Yeah, a Dead or Alive Two right. Paradise, right? Yeah. Extreme mm-hmm. Two Paradise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I actually own the first game. I remember uh, clearly for research purposes, of course. <laughs> um, and because um, well, I, I remember like buying it actually mainly because I like the idea of playing like a volleyball game because I haven't played like a volleyball game I think before that since kings of the beach i want to say for nes i mean there is beach <laughs> maybe bike, there's beach bikers for gamecube too don't forget that there is that yeah or like um Which super spike also, v-ball or whatever yeah super spike v-ball but um the actual volleyball um mechanics like in the game were actually really good like it was actually a fun game yeah. and um obviously you have this whole kind of I don't know, friendship slash dating mechanics kind of like evolve with it too, where you're trying to like befriend like the other girls. Cause you basically pick like a girl from the dead or life franchise. And then you befriend like the other girls. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Even if like, you know, in the lore or whatever, it might not make sense. Like if you have like two girls like, who are like sworn enemies or whatever. Right. You can still be like friends if you give like the right gift to them or whatever. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, so that was always interesting. But like, I, I, I did like this whole deviation uh, from like the fighting games in the sense, like as far as like expanding the franchise and, you know, to be honest, like actually like, you know, fully taking advantage of what makes the Dead or Alive franchise, I guess, like popular in a sense, yeah. um, which is the girls, really. Like, you yeah. know, you got a bunch of beautiful girls like who are playing volleyball and like exchanging gifts and being friends with each other and like, you know, going to go to the casino and gamble or whatever and bouncing around or whatever. You know, you can't really go wrong with that. So yeah. <laughs> I, I had Extreme Beach Volleyball, Extreme 2 and uh, Paradise also for research purposes. And I mm-hmm. I've enjoyed like all three of them. I don't know who you guys picked, but I picked Hitomi as my. Uh, I'm a sucker main for girl. Kasumi. That's how I do nice. it. Mm. Kasumi's my second choice. Tina Armstrong for me, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to lead us now to the main topic, which is looking back at the Dead or Alive franchise. So um, I figure since Megadaffy, you did pick this topic for us. So uh, let's start off actually with why you like the Dead or Alive franchise so much. Oh, I could pick the obvious answer, but I'm going to sit. I'm going to actually start off by saying, <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> I could pick, as I said, could pick the obvious answer, but 
when I started with three, I kind of just enjoyed like the gameplay. It was like one of those, it's one of those like, you know, easy to learn, not as easy to master ones where it's like, it's kind of easy to pick up and do. Plus also, they definitely knew how to like make the game entertaining and fun. And the music was always like really good too. I mean, I remember booting up Dead or Alive 3 and Dead or Alive 3 and Aerosmith plays over the title screen. And if I recall, Dead or Alive 3 was like one of the big launch titles for the original Xbox because it came alongside uh, Halo. Mm-hmm. And I know Halo got like more attention, but there were people who were into Dead or Life. Years like, holy crap! I can knock her off a cliff, and she falls on another cliff, and then there's <laughs> oh, that was cliff. the thing I loved about Dead or Alive was just the destructible environments and the like, you know, huge arenas cool. where if you like triggered it, you, like triggered something, you could send them like you could send them off the bridge, rolling down to like ground level, and you jump down flat there. Right, I like, could send them like through the walls, and you jumped outside. The stage transitions and all that, yeah. Yeah, or, you know, like, in 6, I think you throw them against, like, some fireworks display, and they go off, and you, like, just fly backwards. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's what I like. It's just, like, it was just, like, super fun to play, and just, you know, you know, something different from, like, the Street Fighter, the Tekken, the Soul Calibur. Yeah. I mean, this kind of, like, became, like, the fighting game that at least Xbox owners, anyway, kind of, like, gravitated towards, I guess, since it yeah. was, like, so early in, like, the life cycle of the console itself. So, right. and, um, it helped, too, that, you know, it was actually, like, a lot of fun to play. And, um, obviously, like, a lot of people, like, when you're talking about Dead or Alive, um, people like to pay attention to, like, the girls, most of all. Pretty much, yeah. Um, but I did like some of the guy characters as well. Um, yeah, Ra- Ryu Hayabusa from the Ninja Gaiden series. Right, yeah. He's Boom. in that. Ryu Hayabusa. We got, like, uh, Bayman, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, there's also Bayman. Bass Armstrong, who is Tina's Bass. father. Now, does that mean, does Bass look like a cross between Kevin Nash and Hulk Hogan? I mean, basically, I is. I mean, that's... Point. From, like, the NWO. I think they, they like, yeah. had a kid, and it was Bass. I don't know. I think that was the point, Robert. <laughs> yeah, yeah I and guess. well, well, because I I remember too that he had like a command grab, which is basically the Razor's Edge. So he was basically NWO like all around for in life. one character Pretty for much. life. Exactly. For, for life. life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I thought he was really cool as well. And then he uh, then he started introducing some more characters uh, as time went on because I noticed there were some really good um, male characters that entered the picture around like Dead mm-hmm. or Alive Four. Like, there was this logger character. Uh, hang on, I'm looking up his name. Rig. His name was Rig. Yeah, he is Rig, a Taekwondo yeah, master. And mother God, he, he kicked forever. He did. He had, like, combos where he could kick people forever. But, yeah, I mean, there were a number of different characters that were introduced over the course of the series. I, I think, like, the only downside is the game didn't really have a notable final boss. There was, like, this spiritual final boss that you took on at the end, but he's a pushover compared to, like, yeah. say, Akuma or, you know. Also, I'm, like, straight fighter and tekken the lore wasn't really so great it wasn't really as cohesive or coherent oh not really i mean no. you beat the game so you can see like the cutscenes and all that pretty much yeah stuff. yeah <laughs> like, that's the answer that i have to all the reviews that say oh your time is better spent with street fighter and tekken it's like well no because dead or alive knows what it is it's not trying to be like Street Fighter Tekken, it knows what it is. Well, yeah. I mean, it was originally meant to be like an answer to Virtua Fighter, really, because that was like the main inspiration yeah. for the whole franchise, right. really. But adding in, like, you know, having like the sexy female cast and like having like the uh, the whole counter system in there as well, um, that exactly. was like its way of trying to differentiate itself from the Virtua Fighter franchise. Like I yeah. said, it knows what it was, and that's the other reason I enjoy is that it kind of knows what it is. It's not trying to be like the competition or like someone else. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you what, I mean, there was an evolution with the game's visuals, and it started with Dead or Alive 2 on the Dreamcast before it got released for PlayStation 2 with Hardcore, I think it was. Yep. And yeah, then hardcore. Xbox, and then obviously it came to Xbox 360, and now we have like the Xbox One and PS4 versions. But it started with Dead or Alive 2, and it had at the time uh, Tomono, who is a great guy, Tomonobu Itagaki. Uh, he Someone was the director. Cocky, yeah. yeah, he directed the series from time before he broke off and formed his own studio, Valhalla Game Studios, where they worked on a number of titles like Devil's Third and this Momotaro Dentetsu. I really don't like words. I don't yeah, like words. but <laughs> Devil's Third. I remember for, for a while there. For a while there, he was focusing, you know, on the sexual part of it, but he also enhanced the gameplay a little bit. Like I said, with the um, with the counter system. It really evolved over time, you know, combos where you can knock people off platforms, you know, and, you know, some of it's getting weird. Like in Dead or Alive 6, you can knock somebody around and an octopus picks them up and slams them around or like a team oh, shows yeah. up and it, it gets a little bonkers. But I mean, for the most part, the game did retain that balance between, you know, cheesecake and actual fun gameplay. Now, it has toned down a bit. Dead or Alive 6 doesn't focus so much on the sexuality. I mean, it does have sexy stuff, but it focused more on like the gameplay. 
I think that's after Itagaki-san left and they wanted to like go in a different direction. I actually talked to the director last year. Um, it was on our podcast episode earlier. And oh, nice. it was a great little focus, you know, in terms of like changing things around. And, you know, they're adding guest characters. They just added uh, My Shroiny from Fatal Fury. God damn oh, okay. I thought I was saying like My Sharona. <laughs> yeah, My Sharona. Verbal diarrhea. That's what it is. But they it's okay, Rob, but I can help you with the Japanese stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it just really, I think, started with Dead or Alive 2. The original, I mean, like you said, David, very few people played it at the time and didn't get into it. But it did start to build lore. And then once Dead or Alive 2 came out on Dreamcast, People were all over it because they wanted a good fighting. You know, like Skull Caliber took a lot of attention, but there was still room for competition. Right. Oh, yeah. so it's like another 3D fighting game franchise that was able to kind of like at least like carve out its niche within like, you know, basically a very crowded um, kind of genre, really, in that sense. Because, uh, yeah. you know, obviously, like, you know, again, it had its inspirations from Virtual Fighter. Uh, certainly Tekken is like, you know, it's kind of like the big one as well as like Soul Calibur and all that. So, I mean, like it, it has like a lot of competition in that sense, but still to hang around. Well, as, as far as like 3D fighters anyway, like it's, it's, it's oh, yeah, you yeah. know, it, like it has like its work cut out for itself in that case. Although there yeah. was Street Fighter EX3 technically. So that kind of counts. Yeah. There, there was, yeah, if, if you want to count that, if you want to count <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, yeah. I don't like if to count it, count but if you want to count it, yeah. I'm Talk about like the top it. 3D fighters out there. Fine, so. then. What was interesting though is like um, for some time, the focus had gone in two different directions uh it had gone with fighting series and with the volleyball series but there was also a project that got canceled uh in the midst of its development called code chronos um it was being worked on at the time as a launch title for the xbox 360 by itagaki and his team and it was not going to be a fighting game but instead act as a prequel to the series proper possibly taking the action route similar to that of tekken force um, oh, okay. But apparently there was a there was a loss of interest in that, and then after um, yeah. Yosuke Hayashi, uh, the new head of Team Ninja, took over Ritagaki, he noted that the project was officially canceled. Mm. I yeah. mean, there was a chance for it to spin off there and into something else, but I think like for the most part, Koi Tecmo and their team at Team Ninja really wanted to focus on the basics between you know like fighting and the volleyball stuff. So that's right. kind of where we're at right All now because right. we have Dead or Alive Six and Dead or Alive Extreme Three Scarlet. Uh, which actually, surprisingly enough, is not as censored on Switch as it is on PS4. <laughs> I found that to be a <laughs> surprisingly pretty, enough, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I found that to be a pretty good laugh because I'm like, if anybody was going to be nervous, I thought it would be Nintendo, but Nintendo's like, nah, show that butt. Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> but it's still like Japan yeah, only, funny. though, right? Yeah, it the is. Version, yeah, yeah. It, it's selling best on Switch. Surprise. It's kind of funny considering Nintendo had the family-friendly thing for a while, and now when Sony adopts it, Nintendo's like, all right, bring it over here, we'll take it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think part of it too is like you know having the success of the Switch now and like you know knowing that they have like the platform that everyone can kind of like jump onto or wants to jump onto then like the kind of like the floodgates open I guess in that case. Right. So, um, so with that said, um, as far as like the Dead or Alive franchise, I figure we'll get into like some of our favorite games from the main series or from the spinoffs. So that includes like, the beach volleyball games for sure. Um, so Megadaffy, let's have you start off actually with like what are some of your favorite games from this franchise? Well, I kind of like both sides, so I'll start with Mainline first. Personally, I thought 6 blew 5 like right out of the water when I booted it up for PS4 and started playing. That's like, oh my god, this is so much better than 5 was. Mm-hmm. So like, I just love it. It's like, it was the one that actually does have, even though it's still a little discombobulated, the story mode is at least somewhat more coherent and cohesive with each other. Whereas, you know, 5, you kind of went through one character, and I know probably all supposed to mix together at one point, but it was kind of just, you went through one character. Okay, now you go through another one. Okay, now you go through another one. Not really much connection there. I kind of like the whole reboot with the whole, oh, we're going to focus more on fighting than, you know, how the girl look. I mean, the girls are still there. They still look really nice, but we're going to focus more on, like, the gameplay and actually get that, like, really good. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, I kind of liked, uh, I mean, even though I thought 6 blew 5 out of the water, 5 was also pretty good and like definitely after that three three was like super fun and like i said that opening sequence of like girl smith's nine lives playing that was just oh yeah (laughs) well if i recall didn't like dead or alive five last for the longest time because they first they did like then they had an add-on then they did a last round uh so they kept adding on to it and all those outfits that were like all the dlc and yeah so definitely six five and three for the main line and then I never played Extreme 3, but definitely Beach Volleyball and Extreme 2. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the Extreme 2 more because that 
like expanded volleyball a lot and also have like English voices and, you know, at oh, the editions yeah. of like the jet ski game and all sorts of other really fun stuff. Yeah, that's right. Because I remember, like in, in 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 like extreme two, like they add in like more stuff aside from like the volleyball and like from you yeah. know, from the casino and all that stuff. So like I, I know like butt bumping was like one of the mini games. Like in there. Uh, I remember that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> no running on the beach yeah. to get the flags. There was that too. Oh right. Uh, yeah. And of course, you, like you dive yeah, down and, and, and all that. Yeah. And then they threw in like a uh, what was that? One of those like sea or sea dues? What was it? Like the little jet bikes you could race around with. Those oh stuff. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like the wave yeah, race. Kind of like jet skis, uh, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Water yeah, skis, wave race. Water skis, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the wave race. Water, water skis. Why did the water world ski. words water ski escape me? Because the boobs, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's associated with wave uh, race. That's I'm why. distracted. Sorry. Yeah. Um, it's like jet skis or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, like, so six blew five out of the water. And then did, what was the earliest experience? You said three, right? Was your first experience with the series? I said three was my first experience. I played one ultimate for, like, I don't know, 30 minutes or something. It's like, this is okay, but you can see they're just trying to like test the water, see how this is gonna go, see how this is gonna work out. Well, it's then, meant to be like a remake two. of like the first game. So I mean, you you're yeah. probably like comparing a bit from like you know a game that kind of developed its systems over time as opposed to like yeah, a remake I, of a game that came up before it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I went from three, which was all right, we have it all set up. You have it all set up. Let's go to one, which was all right. We're just getting started here. Here's we're building the world and. Here are the characters, whatnot. And actually, I don't think the war started until like two, because there was a, again, huge opening scene with uh, Kasumi and Ayane. Yeah, because um, yeah, because like I think in the first game, like Hitomi, I mean, like Hitomi is always kind of considered like to be like to be the like protagonist, like the main protagonist anyway for for the, for, uh, for like the Dead or Alive franchise. Um, but um, Kasumi but, like, Ayane, yeah. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. Kasumi. Yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Kasumi is like the um, the girl like in the blue and all that stuff. So. Yeah. The ninja. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So like she, yeah. So like the like the like the franchise is like at least the lore anyway is kind of supposed to like primarily around her because I think in the first game, much, yeah. uh, she's trying to get like revenge for like her brother getting beaten up or whatever, which is that uh, that male ninja character. I think I think that, is that Hotomi or no? That's uh, no or Hayate. Or something? I think Hayate. Hayate yeah. yeah, Hayate. That's it. Yeah. Hayate gets beaten up, loses his memory, and then Hotomi him, and he adopts a different. He adopts the name. Ein, I believe. So. Right, right. That's right. Yeah, because yeah. like that's that's when they basically made the, 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 like honestly that, that was like their way of making like um, have like a clone character. Um, but at least they had him like play differently anyway. Because I believe like he just used like standard kung fu basically as for as a fighting much, style, yeah. as opposed to, like Hayate, you know Hayate yeah. is like ninjutsu or whatever. So yeah, yeah. They're avenging Hayate. Consumably leaves the village. That starts rivalry for Yane. It continues off from there, starting with two onward. So, gotcha. Yeah. 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 Now. I do need to ask this because I I actually just watched this again the other day. But do you guys remember the Dead or Alive movie? Uh, I do remember of it. Yeah, I do remember uh, of it. So essentially, <laughs> a, a lot of people, a lot of people pick on Street Fighter. Did they actually get Kevin Nash to play as? Yeah, Bass, like Kevin in, Bass in is Nash in this. Now here's the the funny part. They did try to go like all out to make it a good martial arts affair. They hired director Corey Ewan. Uh, who had worked on a ton of movies over the years. Uh, you know, he worked on a number of different legendary movies. Like he, he did, like, No Retreat, No Surrender. How how can you deny that? <laughs> but, yeah. but, I mean... How can you screw this up? <laughs> yeah, because they cast a, a, a bunch of different people. Like, they got Jamie Presley from My Name is Earl to play Tina. Um, Holly Valance, who I don't even recall being in a movie before. She was playing... Um, I, oh, I forget. It's, oh, yeah, Christy. And then you know, Christy, yeah, yeah. here's the kicker. Oh, she was like the assassin lady. Oh no, no, no! She was the blonde that was aside from the other. Mm, the blonde. Yeah, she, no, Christy was the white one. I think she was also an assassin. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, different one though. She wasn't Ayana. Okay. Yeah, she was the white-haired one. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of them. And then there was Kevin Nash, obviously, to make up for the NWO joke. But here's the kicker: the main boss, Doctor Victor Donovan, was played by Eric Roberts. <laughs> that Eric Roberts from like the Dark Knight and some and and the Expendables, yeah. yeah. And apparently right, he did right. this thing for the final fight. All he had to do was put on a pair of sunglasses, 
And the sunglasses would like give him analysis to make him the greatest fighter in the world. <laughs> that that okay. that's actually from the plot. I mean, honestly, it's not any worse than like any of the final bosses in the games. True. <laughs> so I mean, taken in a cornball sense, this movie's not bad. But comparing it to other video game films, uh, it, it bombed horribly. It, it cost thirty million. It sure. only made seven and a half million worldwide. Uh, they, it only became like a blockbuster exclusive when it came oh, out. Oh yeah, blockbuster <laughs> exclusive. I don't think it ever got released on Blu-ray. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's it's one of those movies that you know it'd be like, hey, you think Street Fighter's back? Have a seat. <laughs> I've got something to, <laughs> yeah. to show you. I mean, like the fight scenes were fun. It's just you know with the casting and the storytelling and Eric Robert, you you couldn't get like. Jet Li or, or somebody to be this complete bad la- badass <laughs> you called in. I, I, no offense to Eric Roberts. He's a good actor and everything like that. But if I'm making like, you know, this this Hong Kong action movie and I need to cast a final boss, like what names come up? Um, Eric right. Roberts is not on that list. <laughs> I would definitely yeah. go with somebody. I would even go with like um, Al Leung, the guy who was uh, in so many 80s movies like Big Trouble in Little China and Die Hard and Double Dragon. Make him the boss. That would have been badass because he's legendary. Some of their casting choices were a little bit questionable, but they were going more for the, you know, sexy and beat up style that, no. Yeah. And I don't know, for just some reason it didn't work, or probably just because of the script and some of the casting. But, I mean, like I said, in a cheesy sense, you can get through it. You know, there are worse films out there, like The Legend of Chun-Li. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Let's never mention that again. There's always worse. <laughs> there's, there's always worse. Mortal Kombat <laughs> Annihilation was worse, too. I can say that with yeah. confidence. And to be fair, like, one of the writers behind this film was J.F. Lawton, who worked on Big Trouble in Little China. So, yeah. so before we get too off the rails, uh, Robbie should probably mention also what are some of your favorite Dead or Alive games. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. Um, I was just bringing this up because I know neither of you probably would have mentioned the movie. <laughs> but um, to me, Dead or Alive 6 feels like a great evolution of the series. I, I oh, think yeah. it captured the components that makes the fighting game good. It didn't overdo on the sexiness. It focused a little better on the story, as silly as it is. Yep. And it, it just really, like, really felt like a great, well-rounded game. I really enjoyed that. But I do have a soft spot for Dead or Alive 3. Because when the Xbox came out, I remember picking up Halo and I remember picking up Dead or Alive 3. And I enjoyed the hell out of Dead or Alive 3 because of the way it evolved over 2. Yeah. And then, of course, I got a soft spot for Extreme Beach Volleyball. Maybe that wasn't the proper term to use. (laughs) Um, But uh, a fun little guilty pleasure. It's fine. And obviously, I own Scarlet for Switch Mm. research purposes. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Um, Those are my favorites there. Um, There was a Vita game. Dead or Alive 5 came to Vita for a while there. Oh, Um, yeah. Dead or Alive 5 Plus. And it, yeah, it did really well in the Vita. I thought it was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. um, I wish I still had it. I'll have to get a copy some one of these days. But uh, yeah, <laughs> David, what about you? What, what's your favorite? Uh, well, certainly Dead or Alive 3 holds a special place in my heart. Just, you know, again, that was like my introduction to like the franchise. And I do remember playing a lot of it. Uh, but I think Dead or Alive 4 is actually personally my favorite, actually. And I could be mistaken, but isn't that the one that they had Master Chief in? Or they had like a Spartan um, had, from like, Halo? A, a, yeah, it was a Spartan from Halo. It was that's not right. Yeah. Hey, which one was this now? Dead or Alive Four. So this is like the one for Xbox 360. Oh. And um, yeah, I had that one. I don't think I played it long enough to get that to get uh, Master Chief. Yeah, because I, I like I can't remember, but like he might have been like a character he had, who you had to like unlock over yeah. time or something like that. Um, Spartan 458 is the character. That's there. right. Yeah, it, it wasn't Master Chief. It was a Spartan basically from Halo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, I mean, it was pretty cool though. And like you know, because I, I, I just remember like with that particular game with the Xbox 360, because um, I think that came out actually around the launch for the Xbox 360, Robert. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, mm-hmm. it came around at launch time of Xbox 360. Okay. Um, now, one really interesting, you know, you know, as great as that guest character was, I still think my favorite guest character is Sarah Bryant in Dead or Alive 5. The fact that they got oh, her from yeah. Virtual Fighter oh, she's to do the crossover. Yeah. I mean, it makes yeah, sense. She's a, so, yeah. yeah, it does. You know, Akira was in it too, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> nice. He was actually but of course, everybody went with Sarah Bryant, because why not? Yeah, <laughs> run off the mama now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm no pushover, sweetheart. Right, right. And um, <laughs> I will mention too with Extreme Beach Volleyball, uh, just, you know, because again, I, I did own that game and uh, it was actually like a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I, I just like really enjoyed like the actual volleyball itself and also like doing like, some mm-hmm. of the gambling in there too was pretty neat. So, oh, yeah. Uh, so I really like that. And um, yeah, so that, you know, that, that's pretty much Dead or Alive right there. But definitely let us know what are your favorite Dead or Alive games uh, at our podcast on Twitter. Uh, so, Robert, I believe you have a game code to give away. 
Um, yeah, well, you know, I wanted to stay in kind of the fighting spirit there, but I didn't necessarily have a fighting, or, I'm sorry, a dead or alive game to give away. So I've got the next best thing. I've got a Steam code for Power Rangers Battle for the Grid. This is a fighting game featuring a number of your favorite Mighty Morphin Power Rangers characters. And it's really a lot of fun. Uh, it's just celebrated, I believe, uh, getting a release on limited run games physically. But mm. right now you can get it digitally on Steam. And here's the code R3X39. L-X-P-M-E-5-G-8-C-Y. That is for Power Rangers Battle for the Grid on Steam. And if you do redeem it, let us know at twitter.com slash arcpodcast. Yeah, and um, they've been doing, like, a great job, actually, with, like, adding in, like, a bunch of, like, updates and, like, adding new characters and just basically refining the game since it launched, basically. Because I remember, like, when it launched, like, I wasn't really all too impressed with it. Um, But it's definitely come, like, a long way since then, so. It really has. And then um, I, I know we're about to wrap up here, but I did want to just note a couple of things real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, first off, it is the weekend for the Portland Retro Gaming Expo. Um, sadly, uh, yeah. myself and David are not going to be able to make it this year, but somebody who is going to make it is Kinsey Burke, a good friend of our podcast. She's been Woo! on the show a couple times. Yes, indeed. Uh, she will be doing two different panels at the show. Uh, she'll be doing a panel called You Don't Have to Go to Japan, But It Helps, and they basically talk about import and game shopping. And then um, at 3 o'clock on Saturday – the Metal Jesus Rocks crew mega panels. In case you guys don't remember, we did have Metal Jesus Rocks himself on the show a while back talking about all that old school goodness from Sierra. So be mm-hmm. sure to check out that episode as well. Um, and that's Portland Retro Gaming Expo. If you do go, say hi, drop some pictures, bring us back games. The usual. Yeah, um, <laughs> indeed, indeed. And then I also want to give a shout out here to uh, Cody and Kelsey Lewin from uh, Pink Gorilla Games. They just got married. Congratulations to this yeah. happy couple. We had both of them on the show at one point or another. I know we had Cody on a little while ago talking about rare cartridges. And, you know, Kelsey collects everything, like a bike yeah. and oh, a yeah. system. And, and I've seen a collection video, so that's just wow. And yeah, here's the cool thing. And here's the cool thing. They closed the stores for the day that they got married so they could get married. <laughs> that is the best thing ever. Nice. So congratulations to the happy couple. Hopefully they're congratulations. Going, I believe they're going to Portland Retro Gaming Expo as well. So if you see them pass along your congratulations and then bias games. Uh, there you go. There you go. And uh, before we wrap up here, I just want to give some shout outs to our patrons, uh, Francisco Limas, Mac V Ball, and Megadaffy, as you know, as you can hear them right here. So thank you very much, guys. Thank you. For, <laughs> yeah. And th- so thank you very much, guys for helping support the show and if you too would also like to support the show definitely check us out at patreon.com slash rcast where you can see all the different perks and buy into that and uh, help support the show so again thank you very much for that yeah hey you know you just heard this show if you guys want to take part in the uh, in the podcast and even make a topic for the podcast that's one of the tiers so make sure you check that out over on patreon indeed, indeed. seats open if you want it <laughs> <laughs> there you go and um megadaffy is there anything that you want to promote for the end of the show here or like anything? i do actually uh well first i'll promote myself i'm at megadaffy2 on twitter you can follow again like the last episode follow me for you know just various things i think of to my live tweets obviously i still like annoy robert sometimes i think he wants my pac-man sometimes <laughs> <laughs> most yep, not we're gonna continue that idea. <laughs> and he wants my pac-man sweatshirt no i'm good you can have it bro I'm, I've, I've got a machine here I'm good. there you go <laughs> and i also want to promote uh, another french project one of the guys from the show evans on wicked animate their comic solarian sun really good web comic i've actually read it and i really enjoy it and i've been helping him just uh promote the crap out of that on social media so check him out solarian and those are my plugs all right Sounds good. Sounds good. And that is episode 180 in the books. And uh, if you want to follow the ArgCast on Twitter, we are at ArgPodcast. Same thing on Facebook, facebook.com slash ArgPodcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at TheGuiltyMan. Follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash TheDCD. You can also check out my work at svg.com, gamepur.com, and mmogames.com. Please be sure to check out our partner site, Don't Feed the Gamers, at don'tfeedthegamers.com. That's run by our good friend Liana Ruppert, where her team give fan-centric news and reviews in gaming. If you'd like to send us any feedback, opinions, retro games, or topics for us to cover, or anything at all, really, you can email us at ardcasts at retrozap.com, and be sure to check out retrozap.com for all sorts of other amazing podcasts. It's your home away from home if you're crazy about Star Wars or pop culture in general. 
There's also us with Arcast, so be sure to find us on iTunes to subscribe, give us five stars, and tell your neighbors. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. So there's absolutely no reason to not follow another retro gaming podcast. All right, that is episode number 180 in the books. Until next time, keep it retro. And again, no offense to Eric Roberts. You are a good actor. It's just the final boss? <laughs> I mean, that, that's like turning M. Bison into a businessman. Oh, wait, Legend of Chun-Li. Did oh, wait, they did <laughs> You got to get those bison dollars, man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Dennis Hopper doesn't look so bad at Mario Brothers now, does he? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's right, yeah. I mean, like that or like maybe he can go as like an old man Wesker in a sense. It's like from Resident Evil, you know? Yeah. <laughs> probably get to wear my sunglasses. They give me my power. Yeah, there it is. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we will see you next week. Take care. Catch you later. See ya. Hi, I'm Chris Penwell from ActiveQuest. And I'm Joseph Yaden. We are a video game podcast that takes a deep dive into the news, covering the latest gaming trends and stories pertaining to the industry. We also do our best to cover the most recent games and like to have an ongoing discussion with the audience. You can contact us on Twitter at ActiveQuestShow or via email at ActiveQuestPodcast at gmail.com. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you hear. You can also find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Google Play. We appreciate you listening, everyone. And now, on to the show. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.